Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. And we uh, step, we cross through the hard soils and very depressing chapter 7 of Romans. And we wondered, is there anything good in this book at all? But that's why you have to read chapter 7 in the right context. For that, last week, we pretty much make a whole summary of the whole study so far, which, by the way, if you want to get where you are, you can go in our podcast and listen. And now, we are stepping again in chapter 8, and it is such an amazing chapter. I, I said this early today, that if I was a church hopper, which, by the way, I don't condone and don't agree, and I don't think is the best. But if I was a church hopper, you know, these people that go church to church to find good messages, you know what I would do? Every morning, Sunday morning, I'll Google it. Which church is preaching Romans chapter 8? I'll go to that church. Just to find encouragement, hope, peace, excitement. Because it is impossible, look at me, and I mean it, impossible to read out loud the, this chapter of your Bible, Romans chapter 8, and at the end, you'll be depressed. It is impossible. I dare you. Try it out. You're feeling just, you know, not in the right mood. You're just, you know, feeling sad, condemned, you know, comparing yourself. I need a dose. I need a pill of excitement. Read Romans chapter 8, and I doubt that you're going to be the same person. Amen? Now, until now, we were reading... Uh, uh, chapter 7, and we, we discovered that chapter 7 is very eye-focused. It's very egocentric-focused. I didn't ask the guys to project this, but just for the sake of an example, it says, verse 15, Romans chapter 7, verse 15, it says, For I do not understand my own actions, my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do what the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree. It's so much I. It's eye disease or something. So Romans chapter 7 is all about what I am trying to do in order to please God without God. Which, by the way, is a very good definition of religion and legalism. It is I, myself, my willpower trying to... No, no, it doesn't work. You have to get to the bridge out of that lifestyle. And the bridge is Romans chapter 7, verse 25. Things to be God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Everybody repeat with me. Thanks to be God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's the bridge out of but the eye-centered life, the, the egocentric life. Out of that is through Jesus Christ, which gives the title of my message, The Spirit-Filled Life. Let us all bow our heads and pray. Father, we need revelation this morning. No one can teach us these amazing, delivering truths but your Spirit. So come, Holy Spirit, we yield to you like we sing today, like we worship today. And I pray, Father, that you fill this room and change the atmosphere, that our hearts are fruitful soils for the powerful seed of your inerrant, infallible, and powerful word. We pray in Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now 
Say with me now. now. This is now yesterday and is now today. And you believe in what is going to happen tomorrow? Still now. So there is no condemnation in any time span for you that are in Christ Jesus. For those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now, you already can notice the pace and the tone of Romans chapter 8. It's not I, my, or anything regarding my belly button anymore. It's in Christ, in Him, by the Spirit, in His Spirit. Say a good amen, everybody. Now, the state of being free from condemnation is meant to be the standard of the children of God. Never accepting any form of accusation. Any form of accusation. But, but pastor, the, the Holy Spirit, He condemns me sometimes. Don't you dare say such a wrong thing. The Holy Spirit never condemns anyone. Actually, let me explain this. So, I have sons, and I try my best to be a good father. I teach them good principles. I, whatever my money can pay, I'm paying for good education. I also try as much as I have time to spend good time quality with my boys. I'm raising my boys with all that I, uh, the best that I can. But they fail their chores. They forget to bring the trash out to the dumpster. And I have two ways to fix that. Look at me. I can go through the condemnation process. You such useless, lazy boys. You are good for nothing. Like, what, what in the world? You are just stupid and miserable. You are useless. Please. Not please, I'm sorry. Just get now, not please, forget about please. Get now the trash and put it in the dumpster. They will do it. Or I can go through the way of the Spirit. And what is the way of the Spirit? Let me say this very clear. The Spirit never condemns you. The Spirit convinces you. The Spirit reminds who you are. And the way of the Spirit is, boys, I know you're better than that. You are such a smart intelligent, strong, and you are more than able to do that. Would you please just do your chore today and bring the trash into the dumpster? They will do it. They will act the same way, but the spirit over them is not with condemnation. They are convinced we mess up. We once again were lazy. We once again was forgetful, but we are better than that. That's the convincing process. Not the condemning process. Which, by the way, if I had picked the first option, who actually am I condemning? Myself. Because if I told you that I raised them, that I am paying the best education, and I am giving my best to them, my best is useless. My best is lazy. My best is stupid and good for nothing. And look at me. Your father is a good, perfect father. He never, used, he never wastes his times with you. So he will never condemn you. The way of the Spirit is never to condemn because he is perfect. He cannot be condemned. So he always convinces you. Wait, wait a minute, Pastor. But, and, that, and, and about John. John chapter 16. 
Yeah, so let's read carefully because there the Bible says that he comes when the Holy Spirit comes. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The world needs to be convinced about sin because the world did not believe in him. Which, by the way, explains in verse 9 that the only sin that ultimately condemns the world is unbelief. And I know, again, slandering, murder, killing, um, pedophilia, uh, uh, and adultery, idolatry, all these horrible things that we should be completely apart from. They are nasty, they are filthy, they are wrong, but all these will not condemn the world. These are only fruits of one single sin. They are rejecting the good news of salvation. They are rejecting the good Father that delivers them from all that. They are unbelieving still. That's why the only thing that the Holy Spirit is working in the world in this moment is not to fix the world. It's not to give the world a better society and better laws. The Holy Spirit is working right now into this world and waiting for a proclaimer, a voice in the wilderness like you and I, just to spark again the truth that they need to believe. Now, now, once they believe, the second convincing process or work is to remind us, the believers, of the righteousness. Verse 10, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, Jesus saying, and you will see me no longer. Which, by the way, that, that's how always Jesus looked at us. Yeah, we just messed up. We were caught in the very act of adultery but when there are stones targeting and aiming at us when we look at his eyes his statement is always the same i will not condemn you but when you are unable to look at jesus eyes there's no problem the helper the comforter the one that delivers you from condemnation the holy spirit is there to speak louder in your heart i do not condemn you and finally, we need to be reminded, convinced that this world, there's no much fix for it. It is destined to judgment because the ruler of this world is already judged. When the devil tries to remember your past, remind him of his future. Now, in, and this is just the beginning of Romans chapter 8. Verse 3, for God has done, I'm Romans 8, 3. Has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sin, in a sinful flesh, and for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh. In order that, verse 4, in order that the righteous, everybody repeat with me, the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Say, wow. Seriously, pastor? All the righteous, high elevated standards of the law are fulfilled in me? Yes. And that's exactly what brought faith in the paralytic boy that was brought over the ceiling. When Jesus looked at him and said, son, your sins are forgiven. He realized, wait a minute. If there's no sin... On me, And if it's all the righteous requirements of the law are fulfilled in me, therefore, this paralysis, this weakness 
is illegal. I can respond to Jesus' command. Stand up, take your bed, and go home. And I did that because that's what brings faith in our hearts. That you know that in you, say in me. Come on, poke the brother and say, in you, brother. In you, the righteous requirements of the law are totally fulfilled. Wow. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. God has done what we could not do. In other words, Romans chapter 7 is pass away. It's in the past. I try, I try, I tame, I discipline, I reaffirm, I make positive affirmations. Nothing worked. I even tried some medicine, some therapy, some help, even discipling. I thought my discipler, my mentor, my leader will fix me. Welcome to the truth. Your discipler, your leader will not going to fix you. Your pastor, the only thing he can do is to preach to you. Remind you that God has done what you cannot do by yourself. But notice that the word there at the very end of this session says that it is fulfilling us who walk. Let's go to verse 4. Who walk by the Spirit. That walks according to the Spirit. The word walk here is parapateo. Peripateo. I need to say better in Greek. I'm sorry. Peripateo. Peripateo. There we go. Which means, pay attention. Be occupied with, make progress, make due use of opportunities. I love these, um, these words that was chosen by Paul to say, look, I know that this new age world concept of spirituality. Oh, if you just get focused enough, if you really get to that emp emptiness and nirvana state, and the image of his spirituality that New Age and esoteric context brings to us is that dude that is with his leg crossed in the middle of the desert with his hands expecting some energy from somewhere and finding his place of balance. And the more he's emptied, more energized he is. But Paul says, no way. If you want to be spiritual... You peripateo, you walk, you progress, you occupy yourself, you make yourself very busy. So that's why a spiritual man, a spiritual woman in this house is the one that comes to the worship night, confess the word, he study the word, comes to maturity, go part of his life group. He, he asks his leaders, can I share something in, my, in the next life group meeting? He's also part of the schedule of the lunch too because he understands that instead of complaining about the food, he's going to actually be responsible for the food. He's also responsible to make it happen in the environment of the worship. He doesn't expect people to clap. He claps every time the pastor says something that burns in his heart. He's he makes progress. He is peripateo. He's walking. He's not in the passive, emptied mind waiting for someone or something to push him. He lifted up his hands. He sing it out loud. He prays out loud. He confessed the word. He memorized the word. You are active. You walk according to the Spirit. But all, this also means that I lose all the benefits of an overcoming Spirit-filled life if I occupy myself with the things of the flesh, which deserves here, it begs the question of what is the flesh then? The flesh, this is my personal definition of it, 
is the rebellious unity of our fallen body and independent soul against the leadership of the Spirit. Now, we know that our body, there's no much hope for it, right? Even though we receive healing, we receive uh, some energy, some comfort, some touch of God that brings relief to our pain. Unfortunately, it's only a delaying process. Even Lazarus that was brought back from death, eventually he died again. So our body, there's no much to do with it because it is sold to sin and we can do not much about it. However, regarding my soul, regarding my thoughts, my feelings, where I lead my mind, oh, brother, I can do that. I can steer my soul into the right direction. That's why Romans chapter 8, verse 5 keeps saying, For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to to the Spirit, say with me, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So I can do this. This is our part. That's where we come into the play now. I know that I said is the Spirit, but our participation is I will determine what comes to my mind. What is going to prevail in my mind. And you know this, that all starts with the thought that... It stirs a desire, a will, a sentiment, a feeling that becomes a decision that may become a behavior. And unfortunately, a repetitive behavior might become who you are. Yes, if you accept the lying thought, and eventually that lying thought comes out of your mouth as truth. And you start accepting that lying behavior. At the end, you'll be known in the community as a liar. Because your thought that became a behavior became who you are. So it's better that you don't cherish and hold dear what is against the word of God. Pastor, but I don't know the whole Bible. No problem. Just memorize Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. That says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellency. If there is, is anything worthy of praise, do yourself a favor. Think. Be busy. Parapiteo. Be active. Make progress on these things. Let me hear a good amen in this house. Come on, somebody. We are not a passive. We are not a religious. We are not a just this theological, uh, uh, not active believers. We are overcomers, active believers. Parapiteo. We walk in the Spirit. We set our mind on the things of the Spirit. So change your diet. And eventually you will be changed. Whatever you are feeding your soul. Yes. Eventually become who you are. So the continuation of Romans chapter 8. Is in Romans chapter 12 verse 2. That says do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. And let's be honest, guys, I don't want just the permissible and sovereign will of God. I want the good, the acceptable. I want the perfect will of God in my marriage, in my parenting challenges. I want the perfect will of God in my investment decisions. I want not just the permissible, the sovereign, the uh, 
how can say the foreknowledge will of God upon my life. I want the perfect, precise will of God for me. Only overcomers enjoy that. All right. Now here you are, every morning waking up, and you are the shortest of your class. You finally became 10 years old. You are 10 years old. You are two digits. You're so proud of yourself, but unfortunately that birthday did not change much the bullying horrible experience every morning the big guy comes every morning and he just beats it to your head he cusses you he threats you you're always afraid anxious to come to school and believe me at the end of every school day you're gonna find the bully again at that door and you're also once again with that rush of adrenaline always anxious because you're gonna make something that you always you're gonna feel sad about it the bully is there to remind you were a loser. You're the shortest of the class. Every coincidence is just a coincidence. <laughs> Until one day, by chance, your big, strong brother comes behind the bully. On that day, boy, the bully comes, and you are not expecting to be bullied or beat it down. You get up and look at the eyes of the bully and says, no problem. What is, you, what is you preparing for me today? And the bully comes as usual, reminding that you are defeated. You are a loser. But behind him, you look and your big brother is ready to defend you. Romans chapter 8 verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, say amen, everybody. Amen. Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, say amen again. Amen. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So get up. The Spirit of God dwells in you. In other words, the big brother lives inside of you. Yes, I know there are some bullies like your flesh, like your old being, your old self. And even the devil reminding you, but no problem, get up. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. And the key here is to be conscious of our righteousness. Verse 10 again. The Spirit is life. Because of righteousness. The more conscious we are of the righteousness of Christ in us, more overcoming, victorious, conquerors we're going to be. Even if you fall, because we have mortal bodies, your final destiny is always victory. There is no way to make a mistake because God is going to rearrange things in your favor. So what I'm supposed to do in practical, Pastor, I'm getting. It's about my mind. It's about renewing my mind. But what else? What else? You respond to the cry of the Spirit. Not to the fear. Not to the, the threats. Not to the sense of condemnation. That the devil, your boss, sometimes your spouse, try to remind you. No. You stand in the crying of the Spirit. Even when you fail. Verse 12. So then, brothers, we're not debtors 
to the flesh. To live according in the regulations of the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit, within our hearts, that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Now pay attention here. When you don't have all the answers, which by the way happens all the time. If you think you have all the answers, just get married, my friend. Just find a f married, and you're going to find out that you don't have all the answers. And if you still think you have all the answers, have children. And then you're going to realize you really don't have all the answers. And in those moments that constantly have, and even more, if you're really still so proud, become a pastor. And now you really don't know how to answer. <laughs> in those moments... That suffering, trials, circumstances, crisis, and even tragedy comes to you. What I'm supposed to do? I don't remember all that you have taught me. Don't worry. Just cry out loud. The very inner crying of the Spirit. And I love that Paul, instead of choosing or translating to the actual language he chose to write this letter into Greek... He kept the word Abba in Aramaic, his original language as a, as a Jew, as a Hebrew. Because there are some cries that comes out of our hearts that are meant to be sight out loud in the language of a heart. And for some here is Creole. For some of you guys, it's going to be Spanish. In my case, it's Portuguese when I have those moments. I unfortunately cannot... You know, pray very intelligent prayer um, in English. I need to pray the language of my heart. And it comes out as Portuguese. I actually created to myself a riddle every morning just to rhyme and to remind who I am. In English, it doesn't sound much good. But in Portuguese, it sounds like this. Eu sou um filho amado perdoado. Eu sou escolhido e redimido. Eu sou eleito e perfeito em Cristo. And you say, what does it even mean? Don't worry, I just pray in tongues right now in front of you guys, for some of you guys. But the point is, is, speak the language of your heart. Paul made that clear to us. Whenever you are crazy, don't need to look for the best word. Just cry it out. Daddy, Abba, Father, meu pai, I need you. Daddy, I need you, Papa. I need you now. And you give yourself that deep breath and the Holy Spirit comes at you and has good help and comforter. He answers the question that your soul cannot find in the brain or reasoning. Come on, somebody. First John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love. Perfect love. Say with me, perfect love. It is not your love, my friend. It's not, it cannot be your love because you know you don't have perfect love. This has to do with the love of God. His love for us, His love for us casts out fear. 
For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. I want His perfect love reminding me who I am in Christ Jesus. Now, again, it's such a, a contrast we see from Romans chapter 7 that ends, verse 24, Romans 7, 24, saying, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. But Romans chapter 8 reminds us over and over again that no matter what are the circumstances, even the sufferings that comes upon us, and let us be honest, there are many reasons for sufferings. The devil, the demon activities. We live in a fallen world. Even our bodies are condemned to be destroyed eventually. We don't have all the information. This affects suffering is part of the lot of this life. But no matter where the suffering comes from, Romans chapter 8 verse 18 says, For I considering, I consider that the sufferings of this present life are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be Reveal to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to the futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected in hope that the creation, verse 21, itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know, say with me, I know. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. A research made a, uh, an essay and he found out that there is this lower key tone of sound that from whales to bird, from the winds of the trees to the cracking of the rocks. The whole creation is singing a melody of grief right now. And, and this is the cry. This is the childbirth pain crying when our redemption is going to come. Verse 23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who, are, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Oh, definitely, I groan. I groan when after a whole week working, bending my back, now I have this pain over here that makes me groan. And these joints, pains after playing my soccer. I see professional players over here. And I gave myself, but look at this, Pastor. I am an athlete, but I'm growing as well. Yeah. Welcome to the reality of this body that needs full redemption. Verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The creation, ourselves, and the very spirit groans. So no matter where the suffering comes, the answer is still the same. We turn to the spirit. We turn to the Holy Spirit and come, Holy Spirit, come, Comforter, come, Helper. Jesus said in John 14, 26, the Helper, the Comforter, He is the Advocate. He's the Intercessor. He's the Counselor. He's the Strengthener. He's the one that stands by you. 
the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you. He will guide you in all things and bring you, you to your remembrance all that I have said to you. If it was not for the Holy Spirit, I know I would never be mentally sane to be here standing before you after losing my son in 2016. And you know too that without the comforting, the presence, the very help and standing by of the Spirit, you also not be where you are. But why we delay so much to cry out His presence, His touch, His healing upon us. Verse 26. Pastor, because sometimes we don't have words. Because sometimes I don't know how to pray, but that's okay. Look what it says. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. Come on, somebody. With groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to to the will of God. And you can interpret it as you want. But one thing I know. There are some prayers. That I speak. That I utter to God. That I don't understand. Scholars believe that this speaks on the gift of tongues. And I also believe. That it's good that my mind is not participating. Because I want to pray beyond the words. I want to speak the language of the spirit. And if you, my brother and sister, that still don't use this gift that He already given to you, just pursue it. Just keep pressing on and just give in. You don't need to wait. Actually, every worship moment we have is a great opportunity to practice that. Just let the groanings of the Spirit be uttered out of your lips. Even when you don't understand. Which, by the way, it is good that you don't understand. And what is the result of all this, Pastor? We're getting to the conclusion, if you are there with me. Verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Yeah, that's, that's the, that softened pillow that heals my soul when I'm tired, when I am exhausted, and even when... I am exhausted because I mess up. God will conspire things toward me. Now, pay attention. It doesn't say toward your comfort. It doesn't say toward your at ease feeling. Because good for you is one thing. But the good for God, it's a better good than your good. So it says for the good, for your good, but the good of God. It's not for your comfort. Oh, it's so painful now. I, I, I'm just without any comfort because of this situation. God never promised you that things are going to work together for your comfort. But for your good. For your maturity. For the eternal purpose of God. Which is, we're going to get there. Let's go there. For who... All things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. 29. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. So things are conspiring, yes, 
for your good, and your good ultimately means to be like Jesus. Say amen, everybody. To be like Jesus, merciful like Jesus, gracious like Jesus, patient like Jesus, humble like Jesus. Image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, 30, and those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Something wrong here. It's all in the past tense. Yes, because for a brief parenthesis, Paul brings us into the Kairos time of God. We, are, we, we leave the Kronos time, and now we are looking things from the sovereign perspective of God. And just that deserves entire preaching, but let's keep going. Let's go to the glorious conclusion. Are you guys ready? Let's always stand up then. Get your Bible, get yourself ready to make this conclusion with me. Verse 31. Questions that should lead you to glorious conclusions. What then shall we say to these things? I know some things I can say. Hallelujah. I know another thing. Praise the Lord. PTL. <laughs> I know another thing I can say. Thank you, Jesus. Tell me something that you can say after all these things. Come on, let me hear you say something. Come on, let me hear. Come on, let me hear. Amen. What else? Hallelujah. Come on, say it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, start to say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. What can we say with all these things? Number one, if God is for us, who can be against us? Conclusion number one, you're always an overcomer. Even when momentarily you may be defeated, no one will beat God fighting for you. Conclusion number two, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Conclusion number two is that we can ask. We can believe for all things. If he gave me the most expensive diamond in the store, can I ask him just a little bag to hold on that beautiful diamond? No, no, I'm not going to give you this. I already gave you my son. Seriously? You really can, you are afraid to ask that new job, that new car, that, that healing for your body? Why are you afraid to ask? Conclusion number three, verse 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? If God, it is God who justifies. That's the conclusion number three. We are elected. And no one can bring any charge against us. Since it is all paid off. Paid off. I don't know about you, but... Uh, I, I love when people ask about my, I have some rentals, and people ask me, but um, how much do you owe on your rentals? And I said, no, no, it's all paid off. You know your car that you have, have you ever had this feeling? People call you, how much you owe in your car? I said, no, 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 it's all paid off. Like, there is no debt. Therefore, there is no charge against me. 
no bill coming to my house. I, I know, I know the, the bots in the computer try to, you know, make me get into a debt after I pay my car, but no, no, it's all paid off. I'm not going to get in debt again. Conclusion number four, verse 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Come on. There is no condemnation. Because upon us, there is a verdict of righteousness. If anyone or anything comes to accuse, what we have to do is to call our lawyer, our mediator, our intercessor. Look, if you have anything against me, devil, if you want to bring that old voice, talk to my lawyer, talk to my intercessor, talk to the one that is interceding for me. Last conclusion. Are you guys ready? Conclusion number five, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. No, verse 37. No, all these things. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Death, life, angels, rulers, things of the present, things to come, power, height, depth, anything else in all creation, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. Peace, Christ, peace.